Slamming it down with a little bit of Dance Like a Robot. That's the name of the song from the band The Insanitizers. This song appears on their album Whimsical Surf. You can find them at insanitizers.com. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. With their permission, welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, and producer, Derek M. Cook, and I'm thrilled to have you here for episode 224 to talk about monster movies. I love monster movies. I assume you love monster movies, and that's why you're here. In this time around, we're going to talk about monster mashups. Yes, one of my favorite things when it comes to classic monster movies is having an opportunity to watch monsters meet and probably fight each other. And we have got director Joe DeMuro here on the show to join me in counting down our own top three favorite monster mashup movies. Joe DeMiro is the director behind the 2015 film Tales of Dracula, which is, you can probably guess, a monster mashup movie. Tales of Dracula has Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, and a wolfman, so I thought Joe might have a unique perspective on monster mashup movies, and I'm glad that I had him on the show to talk about it, because it was a fun conversation, it was even more fun to edit, and I hope everybody enjoys it. He does talk a little bit about Tales of Dracula along the way, and surprisingly... It turns out one of the movies that I picked was a movie that he used for inspiration for how his movie looked. That was a complicated sentence. I think it'll make sense in the discussion, which we're going to get to right after this. Mad Monster Party! Mad Monster Party! Starring Boris Karloff and, in order of their appearance... Dracula, Frankenstein, the werewolf, the hunchback, the mummy, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and in order of his disappearance, the invisible man. Also starring Phyllis Diller as the hostess with the least. <laughs> Mad Monster Party! It's a come-as-you-are party that's out of this world. You don't get invited. You get committed. It's a psychedelic scary. With the grooviest ghouls of all time. Mad Monster Party! Anyone? It's a blast. Yes. Our planet may be doomed, our Earth devastated, the monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York, Rodan is attacking Moscow, Manda is smashing London, and Peking trembles under the wrath of Mafra. Our battle cry must be, destroy all monsters. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mafra? The answer is no. Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 Monster
I want to switch gears here and talk a little bit about some of the movies that we love and I love nothing more than a good old-fashioned monster mashup. You take a couple of monsters, a vampire, a werewolf, a mummy, and this or that or whatever. You put them in the same movie together, and I'm on board. Pop me some popcorn. I'm ready to go. And Tales of Dracula has that vibe because you've got three of the big monsters right there, the three big monsters. I take it you're a fan of the monster mashups as well. Oh, definitely. And one of the very first monster mashups, as far as I recall, would be Frankenstein meets the wolf. Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello. Petrified, but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. Nineteen forty-four. I mean, what? Truly a great movie that turned out to be. And uh, and in fairness, also, you know, when I read some reviews on that, poor Bella gets kind of beat up uh, in that. And, you know, when I really think about that movie, do we realize that he was 60 years old <laughs> when he actually filmed this movie? You know, to put on 40 extra pounds of weight, the boots, the costume, was really a challenge for him at the time. And, and in all fairness as well, this was really coming from um, Ghost of Frankenstein, you know, where Igor's brain is planted in the monster, and you know, all the scenes where he had dialogue talking in Igor's voice was cut because the studio had felt it was too silly at the time. So now I think that kind of hurt his performance as the monster. You know, everybody kind of says Bela was the worst monster, but I, I you know, I kind of disagree. I, I think the poor guy really just was not given the proper opportunity in the film because his dialogue was cut. Uh, poor guy, 60 years old, but I just kind of feel that, you know, Bella's portrayal, you know, he, he's really, he was still a good Frankenstein monster, and rumor has it he was the one that kind of started the Frankenstein walk. Exactly. I think every one of them brought their own talents to the table, their own interpretation to the screen, because the Frankenstein monster, that's the one that was been played by the most different classic horror actors. It was Carl F. Lugosi, Cheney, Glenn Strange. They all brought something different to the table, and I kind of like Lugosi's take on it as well. It's different, and I think you're right about the Frankenstein walk. He's walking around with his hands outstretched. Right. Yep. 
which is not something you saw Karloff exactly, do. Exactly, because Lugosi was supposed to be blind at the time. And, and again, people don't realize that in watching the film, you know, that the monster was really technically blind from the previous film. We know it, but the general audience didn't really know at the time because so much of it did get cut. I would love to go back to see or hear that footage with Lugosi's voice doing all that. That would be amazing. It, it's really too bad Universal Studios just doesn't have it laying around on a shelf somewhere that they could actually put it back together and release it as a special edition with all the dialogue back in how cool would that be you know i've joked about how if i had a time machine i wouldn't do any of this go back and kill hitler stuff i'd go back and save all these old movies exactly (laughs) (laughs) which probably says my priorities are really skewed my wife is shooting me a look right now like what really (laughs) but (laughs) But don't forget to pick me up on the way okay (laughs) Uh, all right sounds good we'll just go have an adventure let's start a kickstarter campaign to fund this exactly fill our time machine i think bob burns had one in his basement if i'm not mistaken (laughs) maybe we could throw him a couple of oh that's right (laughs) let's bring him along he'd come with us he's probably definitely coming he's even got glenn's boots so Oh, man. Uh, so, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I mean, it's definitely one of the best. And when I wanted to have you on the show to talk about these monster mashups, I kind of wanted to do a, a top three kind of countdown. Your top three monster mashups and my top three monster mashups. Okay. Would Frankenstein meets the Wolfman be like your number three if we were counting down to the best? Um, I'm probably going to give House of Frankenstein number I'm going to repay you for betraying me. I'm going to give that brain of yours a new home in the skull of the Frankenstein monster. The uh, juggler vein is severed. Not cut, but torn apart as though by powerful teeth. A werewolf. Last night I killed a man. I didn't know what you were doing. But I did. I wanted to kill. I think they're after Dracula. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as number two. Can we talk about House of Frankenstein? This one is one of the last in the run. I mean, there's House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and then the Abbott and Costello film. House of Frankenstein brings them all together. And it's Carradine playing the Dracula character this time around, who, again, brings his own take to the character, which I kind of like. And, and of course, he had a mustache. House of Frankenstein, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and he had the mustache. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and Karloff is back in the series again in this one. Yes, yes. But not as the monster. Not as the monster, yeah. Dr. Neiman. (laughs) 
Dr. Niemann. Niemann. Yes. <laughs> Now, House of Frankenstein's a, a great one. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this one. Well, I enjoy all of them. Who am I kidding? I love them all. They did some really good stuff in House of Frankenstein. I mean, there's sets in that were just really gorgeous. I, I really love when they're pulling into the gypsy camp and how the uh, did the glass mirror effect on the camera where the inspector says, mm-hmm. ever since the ruins, you know, that really just a, a glass painting. And I am still... Be fumbled on how they, we've been trying to figure out how they do that all the time. <laughs> you know, we tried and we just couldn't get it to work. You know, to make some of our sets look larger than life. And and when you really think about it, how technical and and how far advanced in the 30s and 40s they did some really amazing things with some of these sets to make them look so much larger than life. You know, it's just amazing on how they did map paintings and the glass paintings. Just really amazing on how House of Frankenstein had some of that in there. Like you said, you you got so much in there. You got like the mad scientist. You got the hunchback. We got the monster, the wolfman, Dracula. It was really, uh, you know, uh, Universal said, hey, with the success of Frankenstein meets the wolfman, what if we put five monsters together, you know, in one film? You know, we could... Uh, <laughs> really amp up our fun and uh you know and i think that's exactly what you know universal at that time was going for when they kind of did the house film there yeah there's no baby steps we have two monsters let's do five yeah, yeah. exactly we didn't go three we want five <laughs> that's right let's let's just go for it and it's a good it's a great film it's got Karloff back in the film we got glenn strange as the monster lionel atwill shows up it's got an incredible cast for what it is. And at this point in Universal history, these are not the prestige productions that the original Frankenstein and Dracula were. You know, they didn't have the biggest budgets. Right, they kind of threw these things together and threw them out. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still so much goodness packed into this film. And House of Dracula, too, I feel like. I think House of Frankenstein is probably the better film of the two, but it's got so much to offer monster fans. And I can't imagine any listener out there hasn't seen House of Frankenstein, but if you haven't, you got to. Oh, definitely. It, you really it's have definitely to. one of the, like you said, all those house films were definitely, uh, great films to watch. Like you said, even House of Dracula. That really had some really interesting concepts and it was just all pressure on the brain for the wolf, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so the, the take on that was pretty well. And, and of course, Glenn uh, makes an appearance as the monster in uh, House of Dracula as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of exciting. And like you said, Karloff, you know, I, I believe House of Frankenstein was uh, Karloff's kind of last in the Frankenstein series. I believe so. They did use him to promote Abbott and Costello, but he wasn't in the film. Right. So yeah. this was the last time he was actually in a universal Frankenstein. He did appear in Frankenstein 1970 for a different studio but this was the last universal Frankenstein effort for him. If I were to look at my top three, my number three is actually not a universal film, but for very personal reasons, my third favorite Monster Mash film would be the King Kong vs. Godzilla from 62 from Toho. Yes, yes, yep. Thank you. 
giant gorilla god of this South Seas paradise, where sensuous maidens offer themselves in ritual sacrifice to his brute embrace. Godzilla has a brain about this size. He is sheer brute force. While Kong is a thinking animal. His brain is considerably larger. About ten times the size of this gorilla's skull. Being instinctive rivals, there is no doubt that they will attempt to destroy one another. King Kong versus Godzilla, heading for their colossal collision, shattering every obstacle that stands between them in the most fantastic rampage of annihilation ever recorded on film. See King Kong stamp Tokyo into the ground, holding a beautiful girl in his grasp. See Godzilla destroy an entire army. See King Kong trapped by the blazing barrier of a billion volts. But nothing, nobody can stop the great showdown when King Kong and Godzilla meet to fight for survival of the fittest. I know it's a completely different flavor than what we're talking about here, but the reason I love this one so much, one, I just think it's a fun movie, but most importantly, this was the first Godzilla film that I saw on the big screen. Okay. And it was the first time that really opened my eyes to what kaiju films were and how magical and incredibly awesome they are. And it really opened the door for me for all of these movies. It really was a great film. And, uh, you know, I actually was just able to find it on DVD, believe it or not, at Walmart and the $5 bin. Oh, nice. Yeah, so anybody listening that does not have King Kong versus Godzilla, it's at Walmart in the $5 bin. They're, they're plentiful in there, at least at my local Walmart or Walmart. So it's really a great uh, film to have. And uh, I liked about the film. And I also understand that I don't know if this to be true or not. I understand there's two versions of the film. I heard there was the American version and actually the Toho version, where in the American version, we obviously don't see Godzilla. We just see King Kong kind of swimming back. I heard in the, the actual Japanese version, it's the opposite. You see Godzilla and you don't see King Kong. I don't know that to be fact, uh, and, and I just had heard that, and I don't know if, if anybody knows differently. As much as I love it, I have not seen the Japanese version yet. A listener sent me a copy of it, actually, so I've got it here. I just haven't sat, gotten around to watching it yet. For years, the rumor was the American version was King Kong beat Godzilla and Japanese version Godzilla beat King Kong. That's not true. But there are some significant differences. We put some American actors in King Kong versus Godzilla the way that we did with the original Godzilla movie. Uh, there are some subtle differences. And I just need to make the time to sit down to watch the Japanese cut just so I can see it because I love it so much as the American edition. As goofy as parts of it are, I'm sure the Japanese edition makes it even better. Yeah, I, w I would actually like to see the Japanese version. I I'm, I'm hoping to get to uh, a convention up here in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey pretty soon. And I, I remember right, there's always a gentleman there that has the Godzilla movies and they're all the original Japanese versions. Oh, nice. So, And, you know, uh, the last convention I actually got to go to, I actually got the autograph of the original gentleman to play, that played Godzilla. Oh, wow. So that was really cool. I mean, all of them were there, 
and to, to, you know, to get in line and, and shake their hands, it was really, a, really a great opportunity. You know, they had some Wonder Man, uh, uh, Ultra, whatever. It was a Wonder Man, Ultraman, or I can't remember what it was called, but Ultraman, Ultraman. Ultraman. They, the one yeah. gentleman who played Godzilla and him was there. And so it was really kind of cool to meet those guys. And they were so, you know, even though we had to talk to an interpreter, they were really fun guys to talk with. And, uh, you know, being, uh, I can kind of consider myself a suit actor. I, you know, I'm not as brave as, yeah. You know, some other people do take on a lot of dialogue. You know, I want to just be the monster in the, the full rubber suit, you know, and uh, to talk to him about the original Godzilla suit and what that thing weighed. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm crying about 40, 50 pounds carrying around, and the original Godzilla suit, he told me, weighed almost 200 pounds. Oh, wow. So he said it was more like car tire rubber back in that day. So he said it was just really exhausting to do, uh, you know, a few scenes. And, uh, so I'm thinking, geez, can you imagine all that rolling around they did in the King Kong versus Godzilla? <laughs> How tired that poor guy must have been in that Man, suit. the rubber suit with Godzilla and then all the fur on the King Kong suit has got to make it even worse, even hotter inside. Oh, definitely. Wow. So, But like you said, that's definitely a, a fun film for people to watch. And like I said, you know, it, it just has so much fun stuff in it. It really does. So that's why it's my number three. And you said House of Frankenstein would be your number three. Yes. And then your number two is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yep. So what's your number two? For me, my number two, again, it's not universal, but it's in that style. I love 1943. So again, it's the same year Frankenstein meets the Wolfman came out. The Return of the Vampire. Bela Lugosi returning as a vampire character. For all intents and purposes, you could have called him Dracula. Yes. They don't. They couldn't because Universal was putting pressure on him. So instead, he played Armand Tesla, which actually is a name that has a connection to us because that's the name that Dwight Kemper gave the Lugosi character in his third novel. Yes, and, and, uh, and that is true. Yeah, I yeah. actually have that one, too, and that is really a great film as well. Um, you can see their budget on that film was not very huge. And believe it or not, what's funny about that was that was one of the films that I gave Mike to use for lighting purposes. Oh, really? Yeah, Good and, call. and the scene where they, they, they're in the graveyard and uh, the, the doctor comes in and you're meeting the two guys and she's asking about if they, if they had moved the grave or if there was a grave. Uh, Mike notices if you look at their their helmets and, and whatnot, there, there's a lot of light coming down. So he says they're lighting it from the top, you know, for the daytime, you know, lighting shots. So when we did a lot of our daytime shooting, Mike lit it from the top to represent more sunlight versus the other way of lighting it to represent the nighttime. So it was really one of the coolest films that he got to watch for uh, lighting purposes. And, and we looked at some of the smaller sets and stuff that they built. Their crypt was a lot smaller. So I said, yeah, we can build a crypt like that. We can get away with a smaller crypt. We don't need the 50 by 50 crypt that I wanted to build. <laughs> you know. 
So uh, that was one of the films that Mike uh, also referenced for lighting and uh, cinematography for Tales of Dracula. So that truly is a great film, uh, and I, you know, and I enjoy the fact that the different that the werewolf actually talks. The werewolf actually talks, and I think this may have been the first time that you see a werewolf in a vampire film in which the werewolf is subservient to the vampire, which is something that you would see. Well, I mean, even now you see the vampire versus werewolf stuff in like Underworld and other movies with sparkling vampires we don't talk about. So, I mean, you see the the two iconic monsters kind of button heads a little bit, and it's just a thrill to see Lugosi playing this character in this epic film. The budget's not as great, but it feels epic because it covers so much time and history, and it's set during some real-world events. The World War is involved. I mean, it's an epic film, and I think underrated, even though the werewolf does wear a very tightly buttoned up shirt and tight pants. It looks a little less than spectacular compared to Lon Chaney and what he looked like, but still, I enjoy the movie quite a bit. I do too, and and what is really funny was, at first, when I heard the idea that the werewolf talked, I thought, Hmm. You know, it's going to kind of come off like Lugosi uh, talking and Igor's voice as Frankenstein. Maybe people would have found it to be kind of ridiculous and whatnot. But when you really watch the movie, you really kind of forget about that. And, and you like you just kind of get lost in the story. So it, it really plays mm-hmm. out well. You, you, you even almost forget that the werewolf's talking. It just kind of moves along so smoothly that you're like, wow, you know what? The werewolf talking really kind of made the film way better. I agree. Uh, giving the werewolf a voice, it really worked. And this film, I think, is notable in that it has a very strong female lead, which is something that you didn't see in a lot of these classic monster movies. The character of Lady Jane Ainsley is an assertive and well-rounded protagonist, and I thought that was nice and refreshing as well. And again, I respond well to strong female characters in these monster movies because they're so rare. Yes. You know, right or wrong, it's just what they did, and to see something like that in one of the classics is just fantastic. So that's my number two. So we each have our top favorite. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first and let you go last? How do you want to do well, this? Well, let's see. I'd have to say, you know, my top favorite is Abelouka Sullivan's Frankenstein. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. Yeah, I, I kind of figured we'd be on the same page there, so I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we both kind of revealed our number one to kind of at the same time there. Abelou Costello meets Frankenstein. It's a great film. It, it really was, and the the funny thing about it was, believe it or not, 
this is what actually introduced me to the Universal films. Me too. This was the very first film that I actually seen Dracula, the Wolfman, and Frankenstein in. Uh, my uh, mother at the time was such a fan of Abelou Costello that, you know, every time this came on, you know, we're all, like you said, we're all sitting in the living room with our snack trays. We've got our bowl of popcorn, and we're just watching it. And, uh, you know, and this was really my first time seeing the Frankenstein monster. So I, I feel maybe that's why I sort of kind of gravitate towards the Glenn Strange version of it, because that was the version I first seen of the monster, you know. And then when I had seen, you know, being little, the only time that I noticed that there was a difference in the monster is when Karloff played the monster. And I think because Cheney and Glenn were very close in built and stature, you know, their faces were both very round versus Karloff's faces, very uh, elongated, kind of sucked in a little bit. You know, I'm like, wow, the poor monster's starving. You know, he needs someone needs to feed him because all of a sudden he's lost all of his weight. But the years kind of went on that I kind of realized that Karloff was the first one to uh, play the monster. And then everybody else kind of came thereafter. Um, so it was kind of an interesting thing for me to see that. And that's the only time I ever really, as a little kid, could pick up a difference in the film. Because when I watched, you know, Ghost of Frankenstein or House of Frankenstein, you know, the monster really looked the same. And and we all know that uh, Lon Chaney Jr. actually had to put the boots on and, and uh, cover for Glenn and Abba Lucas for Frankenstein because Glenn had hurt his foot. Mm-hmm. Unless you really, really look. You can tell it. it's uh, Cheney Jr. in the scene in the laboratory where he kind of pushes the table out of the way and he kind of comes marching towards the door. You can see a little bit of the difference in the face, but not very much. If you know what you're looking for, you can see it. But overall, I mean, it's it's such a great film. And it's the first one that I saw as well. I had known about the other movies, so I knew the story. I knew who Bela Lugosi was, that sort of thing. But it came on TV one Saturday afternoon, and I was at a friend's house playing with my best friend who lived across the street. And it came on the television in the living room, and everything just stopped. I didn't care what we were doing. I saw those animated monsters walk across the screen for the title sequence, and I was riveted to that TV screen and just watched that movie and... I think that's pretty much what what sunk in for me. That's what locked in me being a monster kid was watching that movie and having that experience. And that movie opened the door for me. And that's why it's my number one. And I can go back and watch it any time. Oh, me too. Me too. And, and, you know, you also had a very strong lead female there too, Cassandra playing the doctor. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, so it kind of fits into no, that. No, it's great. You know, it kind of fits right into there. You know, she was the doctor who was going to help Dracula revive the monster. Uh, again, so you had a strong female character in that one as well. And uh, it was really kind of funny that when you look at the history of the film and, and uh, you know, that, of course, they had offered Karloff to uh, reprise the role um, as the monster. You know, he, he kind of, like you said, he, he turned the role down and, and said that he agreed to kind of go out and help promote the film. Because he really had felt that, you know, the monsters were going to be made fun of or poked at. And, you know, in all honesty, yes, you know, there is some comedy in there, but it, it's never poked at the monsters. You know, the monsters are kind of really still the monsters, and the comedy's really just between Abbott and, and, you know, Costello, and it really doesn't really hinder the monsters at all. And, uh, you know, even in, in our film, we, we obviously had a little humor in it, but it, it, it really stayed true to never poking fun at the monsters. I agree. This movie, even though Lon Chaney would go on record later saying that 
once we started making fun of the monsters, they kind of lost their appeal or their impact. I think this one still has some solid scares. I think what's happening with the Wolfman specifically, unfortunately, the cure from House of Dracula didn't take, so he's the Wolfman again. He brings just as much pathos and empathy to the role that he's been doing all along with these films. Lugosi, this performance of Dracula kind of ruined the original Dracula for me. Now, I've at first, I've gone back and I've learned that Dracula is an amazing film, but the Lugosi Dracula in this film is so much more full and moving around and more active, has a little bit of mad scientist going on. For years, this was my Dracula. Exactly. Yep. There was definitely more Lugosi had more hand gestures in this one. Um, you actually got to see him transform into the vampire bat. And, 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 and yes. I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, oh, wow, how cool is that, you know? So you had that in the film. And uh, and like you said, you just had kind of Glenn in it. And, uh, you know, it still had its very dark and eerie moments in, in the film. And um, like you said, both being that this was, you know, like my very first film and is yours as well. I feel that, uh, you know, the film is just as uh, as good as any of the old other Universal films. And, uh, you know, and obviously, granted, it's named as probably the best horror comedy film ever to kind of come mm-hmm. out. But uh, like you said, there's, it, it doesn't really poke fun at the monsters. And I, I think the monsters really stand their own in this. And uh, like you said, Dracula mm-hmm. was really, you know, very menacing. They did a lot of close-up of his eyes at this time. And... Uh, he will always will be Dracula. There will never be, as far as I'm concerned, another Dracula. I mean, if I had a number of my Draculas in order, you know, he would definitely be the number one. Oh, no question. You know, it'd be it'd probably be Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee, and then Wayne, right? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking Frank in there, you know, that Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wayne. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, no. man. No, people need to see it if they haven't seen it, but I can't imagine that they haven't. It's readily available. You can get your hands on it real easy. I think all the movies we mentioned, people can get their hands on, with the exception of the Japanese edition of King Kong vs. Godzilla, easily. So, really, a monster mashup. I have some honorable mentions, you know, like Mad Monster Party, which is a fun stop-motion Rankin and Bass monster mashup. Uh, you know, and I know it's a little outside of the window that we normally cover, but I'm a big fan of the Luchador films, so anytime you throw Mexican masked wrestlers against a bunch of monsters, I'm on board. There you Do go. you have any others that you would consider, like an honorable mention or something like that? Well, you know, you had the, um, or the Gigantras. 1966. Oh. I, I know it's a little kind of out of the realm year-wise that we had talked about, but you know that was really a great, great film as well. And if I remember right, part of that spun off of Frankenstein Conquers the World. I believe it was supposedly some DNA or something left over from the Frankenstein mm-hmm. monster Frankenstein Conquers the World that spawned the two Gigantrons, if I remember right. I could be wrong, but it it was a really good movie because you had the the good one, you had the bad one, you know, so it was really a a good film as well. No, Frankenstein Conquers the World we talked about not too long ago here on the show, and I can't get enough Nick Adams, so of course I love that one. War of the Gargantuas, it did kind of spirit, I suppose it's a sequel, and it does have some connections to the previous film. That's a good one. Uh, You know, Toho was great in mixing their monsters up. I just watched Destroy All Monsters again for the first time, or again uh, the other day, and that one's just a blast to have all the monsters fighting King Ghidra at the end. Exactly, yep. You know, speaking of Toho, what's really nice is I hear they're going to have some new Godzilla movies for us here next year. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. I I did see the new Godzilla. You know, I was okay with it. 
but I'm really looking forward to the Japanese Toho Godzilla movies coming out next year. They just know how to do them. They do, and it makes me happy that we are going to live in an age in which there's going to be another American Godzilla, and it's going to have more monsters in it, and Japan's going to start doing some more movies as well, and, I mean, we're just going to have an embarrassment of of riches when it comes to Godzilla films, I hope. Yeah, That's my nice. hope. <laughs> it would be <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> You know, I could talk monster movies with you all day. We'll definitely have to have you back on the show down the line, maybe talk some more about Dracula or something completely out of the box. I have a feeling that you and I probably share the same titles in our DVD collection, so I'm sure there's plenty to talk about. I'm sure we do. <laughs> so that would be really great. It'd be a lot of fun. Again, Joe, congratulations on your success with Tales of Dracula. Listeners, check it out. Joe's one of the good guys. He's one of us. We want to see more Tales of Dracula in the best way to make sure that happens is to buy the first one. So go check it out at oldies.com. You can get it through Amazon, get it from Scary Monsters, Monster Batch, wherever you can get your hands on it, buy it, support Joe and company, please, for me, because I want to see the next one. <laughs> I'm being selfish here. So, <laughs> Huge thanks to Joe for taking the time to chat with me about these classic monster movies. I'm sure we'll have Joe back on the show down the line, as well as Mike and Tom and the rest of the Tales of Dracula crew. I know Dwight Kemper's got some things coming up that I want to talk with him about. Wouldn't mind having Wayne back, and maybe some of the other actors from Tales of Dracula. So that'll be happening in the future. If you want to know what's going on with Tales of Dracula, look them up on Facebook. They have a Facebook page for Tales of Dracula, as well as for Wolf Bane Productions, the production company responsible for the film. Wolf Bane is spelled W-O-L-F-B-A-I-N, and it's all one word. Or, you know, you can just go over to monsterkidradio.net and follow the link in the show notes. Also on our website is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. You're going to find links to every song that's appeared here on the show in the past, every band, every album. Every one of these bands has given us permission to play their music here on the show. So if you like it, go support them and let them know that you heard about them here on MKR. We also have our contact information over there. Our phone number is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. We have links to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. We also have a link to our Facebook group. Now, this is where we're having conversations with Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes. And every once in a while, somebody will ask a question that I want to mention here on the show. I've already answered him on Facebook. But Rocky asked what happened to the results of the Retro Awards, the Monster Alley Retro Awards that we were doing here on Monster Kid Radio. Well, as I told him, I'm still sitting on those results. Nobody's missed that episode. I've not released that yet. The results are very cool, but they're not going to do me any good just sitting on them. I want to share them with you, but I wanted to do them in a more unique way than just reading a bunch of names and titles on an episode of Monster Kid Radio. So instead, I want to put together a YouTube video. I think that'll be exciting. I've been wanting to do more with YouTube with Monster Kid Radio anyway. The downside is that I need to learn a little bit more about video editing to make that YouTube video look Good. So that is happening. It will be happening later this year, I promise. And when it does go out, it'll be part of a regular episode of Monster Kid Radio as well. So if you're not a YouTube user, you'll still hear the results. But if you are a YouTube user, you're going to see things like trailers and posters and, well, the whole thing. So that'll be fun. That'll be coming. Rocky, thanks for asking about that. And thanks for everybody's patience in waiting for the results. Another announcement I'd like to make, 
is also related to something over on our website. Over on the right, you can subscribe to what we call the Monster Rally Checkpoint. This is a monthly e-newsletter that I send out towards the end of the month, unless you're a Toho level or a higher patron on Patreon, and then you get it a little early. And it's new articles, movie trailers, sometimes a movie review here and there. I have a column called The Creature Connection that I run in that. I put it out once a month. However, the July edition, I forgot to update the intro message, the opening paragraph. So I accidentally ran June's opening paragraphs in June's opening paragraph in July's edition. So no, I'm not still sick. That was in June and July. I'm not sick now. Sorry. I'll pay better attention next time. I need a copy editor who will work for like monster movies or something. That's what I need. An event coming up here in the Portland, Oregon area. I briefly touched on the Luchador movies as being some of my favorite monster mashup movies. I love it when a masked Mexican wrestler takes on a bevy of monsters. Well, here in Portland, on August 13th, that's a week from today, Cine Lucha Fest is happening at the Hollywood Theater. That's at 4122 Northeast Sandy Boulevard. This is super exciting for me. Now, we crashed various showings of these Luchador films last year on Monster Kid Radio. It looks like this is going to be another regular series. I don't know how long it's going to be happening. I'm assuming it's going to be monthly. But next Thursday, they're showing the 1970 film Los Capineros. You know what? I'm not even going to try to pronounce it in Spanish because I'm going to botch it. Translated, it's Champions of Justice. Son unos inútiles. Han fracasado miserablemente. Y todo por no seguir mis instrucciones al pie de la letra. Hace cinco años que Pudemon y sus enmascarados dieron al traste con mis planes. Tú preocúpate por ganar el concurso. Si te eligen Miss México me sentiré muy orgulloso de ti. Es que en dos ocasiones han tratado de asesinarte. Y volverán a intentarlo. Pero te aseguro que tengo más vidas que un gato. Five Mexican wrestlers versus a mad scientist and his gang of evil little people wrestlers. It's awesome. I've seen it before on DVD. I can't wait to see it again on the big screen. Tickets are $8, but they are available in advance over at hollywoodtheater.org. And that's theater spelled R-E at the end, not E-R. And if you're there, look me up because you know I'll be there with my Monster Kid Radio shirt and probably a portable recorder. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Again, thanks to Joe DeMiro for being part of the show this week and talking about Tales of Dracula and other monster mashup movies. Thanks to the Insanitizers for being the band that we featured this time around. You know, they're award winners. Last month, they won the award for Best Rock Instrumental from the Academia. It's for their song, Shootout. This is a national award, and it spans all rock instrumentals. A surf rock band taking that award? Well, that's very cool. The Insanitizers, it's a great band. And I like their entire album, so I highly recommend them. I'll give you the website again at the end. Also, thanks to you for listening to the show, supporting the show, liking us on Facebook, sharing our posts, retweeting us, giving us a plus on Google+. Plus. Is that how that works? I don't do much on Google+. Plus. And if you are an iTunes user, of course, I'd like to ask for a review. You know, going back to the Facebook likes, Joe DeMiro has been challenging his friends to help get Monster Kid Radio 1,000 likes by the end of August. Well, we want to make Joe's dreams come true, don't we? Well, if you're a Facebook user and you haven't liked Facebook.com slash Monster Kid Radio, well, that's how you do it. Next week on Monster Kid Radio on Tuesday, episode 225, I wasn't able to go to Monster Bash this past summer, but I have the next best thing. I have the man behind Monster Bash on the show, Ron Adams created Monster Bash, and he's joining us here on Monster Kid Radio to talk about what the convention is, what it means to him, why he started it, 
and what people can look forward to at future Monster Bashes. So come back next week for that. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Dance Like a Robot. That comes from the Insanitizers. It's on their album, Whimsical Surf. You can find them at insanitizers.com or buy the album on their Bandcamp, Amazon, or CD Baby pages. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 